Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. So we are the Fantasy Joes. Joining us tonight, we've got a special guest. You know him from Dynasty Game Night and Dynasty Wall Street. He's the player value guru in the Dynasty community. That's right, the one and only John Bosch, everybody, at Empire FFL. What's going on, John? Not much. Uh, I, for years in my life, I actually got called Joe because my older brother's name is Joe. So, you know, people would see me and be like, oh, hey, Joe. Oh, I mean, John, you know. So uh, maybe I should be Joe tonight, you know, just to fit the, fit the show. It wouldn't be the first time, so, you know, I'd, I'd feel all right with it if that's okay. Wait, no, they, just kidding. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, also, we got Will Greenwood. Uh, Will, uh, from his home studio, settling in. What's going on? Oh, I could not be more excited about tonight. I moved a bunch of stuff around, so I got the endorphins running, uh, and couldn't be excited for Mr. Joe Bosch here. <laughs> there it is. And joining us from North Carolina. Oh, wait, not North Carolina. He's actually joining us from the panhandle of Florida, someplace on the beach. It's Trey Barrett. What's up, man? Happy to be uh, able to join you guys tonight. Was a, was a little up in the air, and I brought the laptop and, and planned to be able to hook up. It's kind of weird. I'm, not only am I joining you guys from a different – I'm joining you guys from Central St- Standard Time. So it is actually 9.30 here for me instead of the – usual 10:30 hour behind so it's kind of nice i love central standard time don't tell anybody but uh <laughs> any, like when you are in central standard time everything feels better because like you know you have an extra hour in the day something about it it was nice <laughs> Wait, john where do you live like i live in i live in kentucky uh just south of cincinnati but it's it's the you know legitimate time zone that i live in <laughs> anytime i've spent time in the central time zone i I enjoy it. Yeah, I, I used to live on the East Coast, and it was it's brutal for Monday Night Football games, for example. I, I kind of would like to live on the West Coast for just that reason. That way, you know, I'm not up until, you know, some ungodly hour just to watch football. But uh, You do have 10 a.m. games then, though. Yeah. And then the, like, then the, the, the England games or the whatever, wherever they're playing in Europe, then those are like 6 a.m. That's probably worse. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I lived in Seattle for a couple of years, and I did get – so uh, my wife is, at that time, I guess girlfriend, wasn't a big college football fan. I'm an Iowa fan. So she'd have some questions when I was, like, chugging beers at, like, 7 a.m. <laughs> to get ready for the Iowa game that starts at 9, you know? But, like, I you know, there's Iowa bars everywhere you go. It's part of – one of the best parts of being an alumni from there is that whatever major city you go to, there's an Iowa bar. I'm like, yeah, it opens at, like, 6 we should probably be there at six thirty, maybe six, to get a table because there's just uh, us Iowa fans travel a lot. And she, she's like, it's way too early, and I'd be sitting there drinking, you know, some sort of light beer because I mean, you don't want to drink like a nice, uh, like heavy IPA at six a.m. or six thirty. Anyway, that's when you go with something like citrus because it's almost like you're drinking orange juice. Yeah, but I think we need to start a crusade to get rid of the stigma that's associated with day and morning drinking. I mean. Right? Oh, I, oh, is that a, is that not a good idea? No, I like I like the shandies, uh, like Lani Kugel, like Minnesota, some oh, like Lani Kugel, some shandy. At least I'm supporting local, technically, kind of. That's like Wisconsin. a breakfast beer, right? That's yeah, perfect. yeah, one hundred percent. There's nothing. So I also think there's nothing wrong with enjoying an ice cold light beer. So again, yeah, I, I do like I do like really nice beers. But if you're like, if let's say you're doing something outside or you're moving some stuff around, if somebody gives you like an ice cold Coors Light, there's nothing wrong with that. Like after you've been doing things, like there's a time and a place for the beers that are just more refreshing. Like you don't want to sit there after, let's say, hauling up a couch, a flight of stairs for a friend, and then to hand you a nice, like a, like a big double IPA, that's similar sort of nine percent alcohol, it's some microbrewery that has its place in that you know has its place in the earth. Yeah, uh, but it's really. not after like sweat, like sweating a whole bunch and like being super hot. So I think everything, like you know, everything has its place. Man, I hope the beer fueled Fantasy Football podcast. Those guys aren't listening to us tonight because they're just going to be like, oh, "Really?" Uh, at, at me on Twitter. I will see it in like four days. I was about to say he might not see it for a while, but uh, <laughs> <that's all. laughs> 
Uh, well, I guess we should talk about some football. And John, just to kind of kick out the show before we talk about auctions, I just wanted to ask you about Darius Geis and, and how you value him and what you're doing about him. I mean, obviously, you know, are, he's a potential guy you would go out to try to buy right now, right? And if you have him, I mean, my thinking is just you've got to hold on to him. Yeah, I'm not actually going to go try and get him right now because I've been on the other side of that. <laughs> uh, when your guy gets hurt and you get those offers immediately and I don't want to be that person that pisses them off. Um, you know, I might mention like, Hey, what are you, what are you planning on doing with guys? I'm not going to send an offer though until I've at least tested the waters. Now in a couple of weeks, then I'll probably send some offers because <laughs> then, then that's that initial sting of having lost that guy has worn off a little bit, but I don't want to, I don't make a, I don't make it a, a habit to really attack an injured guy immediately. I, I've never had success doing it. You know, I, I tried it in the past and I've never had an owner be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll just give him away for 75% of the price right now. Cause right. you know, I'm in a really good mood that he's hurt. So now I'm just going to make it even better by giving a guy away for cheap. Right. That's right. not the reaction that you usually get. So I kind of actually have tried to stay away from it for a little bit right now. Um, you know, if I see somebody mention, Hey, I'm kind of looking to move guys. I was counting on him and now I need something, you know, and I have like a LaShawn McCoy or something that I can, the waters, if they bring it up or I'm just going to wait for a little bit. Yeah. I think right now he, you know, he's not really, uh, creating a deficit on anyone's team because you know games aren't being played so you know I think once week one comes around and obviously you know I think for me if, if I oh, and I literally own guys in so few leagues but if I were a guys owner I don't want to trade him because if I trade him now the whatever and you know give away this asset that I believe you know is still valuable but I'm looking for production in return the guy that I get in return could get hurt between now and the time that the, the games actually start mattering. So at this point, I mean, I have zero interest in trading guys unless I just get a stupid offer, which nobody's going to give you. So at this point, trading guys away is just not a very good strategy. I would wait until right up until the season starts. And then if you own him um, and, and you're looking to unload him because you really feel like you can contend, you need that missing piece. I'd still wait, you know, wait till week five or six. You, you could lose other pieces and all of a sudden by week five or six, you're not the contender you thought you were and you're going to regret having traded away guys. So I, I, I would be cautious. And, and then I do, I do agree with John. I think, you know, once the regular season gets close and, and, and people are wanting to, you know, replace that production, I would be willing to, to try and float some offers and see. And if we saw it with Dalvin Cook, I mean, you know, the guy got hurt last year and his ADPs climbed since then so I don't think that Darius Geis yeah it is crazy but I don't think Darius Geis ADP is going to be especially next year's rookie class of for running backs is not expected to be real strong so I do think that Geis is ADP like I mean it's not unreasonable that his ADP in 12 months could be higher than it ever did get this year so yeah it's not going to go down I mean he's, he's got that insulation at least he's safe yeah so I've got him on two teams and they're not teams that are competing. So I have no interest in, like, why would I bother trading him? It's, I mean, I'm not going to get back a return. So I'm just going to put him on IR. And next year, he's another asset that I'll add to, hopefully, when my teams are ready. <laughs> so I think that's a, a good point, John, that you bring up when we talk about off, making offers for guys. Is that we're, we're you know, we, we try to be sharks in the water. We try to be these guys that are capitalizing on, other people's down downtrodden, you know, Darius guy stock. But when you have him, what are you doing? And that's to me. So I, I have guys in one. And it's in our our contract league of all places because I was taking Michelle and his uh, you know, his stock has dropped because of that knee. But like now, it sounds like kind of a fun knee injury compared to guys <laughs> overall. But anyway, so you so you own guys. But let's say now, let's say your your team, you know, you're a stud team. You made a trade for a good pick. Yeah, and your situation is that you have, uh, you have your boy in the background there. You have AJ Green. You have Julio Jones. I'm not concluding Antonio Brown because I think his he's a little bit like too far out of the age gap. He has mm. too many years left. So you have your Julio. window. Your window's closing. 
Yeah, but but Antonio Brown has more left, I feel like, compared to those guys as far as value. So you have Julio, AJ, and and Larry Fitzgerald. Uh, And a guy who's kind of a pick that you got for moving a guy after he was traded, you know, say you move somehow like uh, Jay Ajayi last year for that one for some guy who was making a playoff rush. What what are you what are you doing now where you have a win now team? Who are you looking to move guys for? What's your what's your value on the other end? So yeah. and you that's, need that's somebody now. Like if somebody was like, hey, I'll give you Alex Collins in a second next year for guys. Yeah, and that's the exact team that I'm gonna look to target to get guys from. It's not gonna be as common because guys went at the beginning. So you're right, the guy's gonna have to have acquired it uh from a pick that he got that wasn't his. So it's going to be harder to find, but if you can find it, that is definitely the owner that I'm going to be looking for when they have to go set their week one lineup. And when they realize that there's a little bit of a hole in that lineup and they really want to contend, that's where I am going to try and get him. Um, if, if I'm in that situation and somebody approaches me and says, Alex Collins in a second, for me, that's a rejection without even responding. Like, <laughs> Uh, just because I'm not huge on Alex Collins. And I totally understand why they're offering that <laughs> because they know the situation that I'm in. Um, I'm going to reject and not respond. And then I'm going to hope that they're actually going to ask me separately. Okay, so you're competing. You know, what do you want for Geis? And then I'm going to actually try and get something better out of him. Because if you are competing, I'm, I am always for trying to win. So if I was in that situation, I would sell guys. I mean, last year, last year I made a terrible trade of Aaron Rodgers straight up for Jameis Winston because I was competing to win and Aaron Rodgers went down and Jameis Winston was the best offer that I got to replace him. I regret it because I came up just short by a quarter of a point. Thanks Amari Cooper. Um, But overall, I'd still make that same trade because I want to go for the win. Would I be in a better spot now had I kept Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, but I would make that trade over because it put me in a spot to still have a chance to win. And it's not like I'm in a terrible spot having, you know, somebody else. But I'm not gonna trade, I'm not gonna trade Geis away for somebody that's Alex Collins who might be replaced next year and a second round pick that could be, you know, no, no a nothing, could be a bust. So I'm gonna look and try and get something, and I might wait a week or two to see how a lot of the running backs shake out at the beginning of the season. You know, maybe, maybe one, maybe, maybe Alex Collins does come out on fire. Maybe Peyton Barber looks really, really good in Tampa Bay. And I can get a guy like that to replace the production for a whole lot cheaper. And at least then I have some guy to fill in. And as the season goes on, maybe I do need to get a stud and that's when maybe I would give up something even more. Maybe that's what I, that would probably be how I'd try and plan it out. I like that answer. Uh, what's what's the in your eyes like? What's the tipping point? Is like if uh, do you want another player? Just just not that you're making this deal and you're trying to benefit it from overall, but just for where you see it's fair. Is this so? It it would have to be like Collins in their in their first because you just don't see them being a great contender. Or is this like if they're like, oh, I have Collins, and shockingly enough, I held on to Chris Carson. So it's Chris Carson, Alex Collins in a second you know, those kind of things, like where, what would you be looking to acquire on top of that? You know, I know it's a reject to open the conversation, but what would you be looking for? You know, I would have to get, I mean, you have to get something back. That's going to give you that immediate production. That's the only reason that you're trading guys is because you need that immediate production. So, I mean, you definitely have to get that back. I mean, I'm not, I don't know why anybody would trade him for draft picks. Like I've heard the conversations of, well, that's our, I'll just get a first round for him next year. Um, like that's a landslide to Geis because you don't know where that first is going to end up. So I totally want the Geis side of that. I mean, even if you offered me like a first and a second for what I have Geis at, why would I give that up? Like I've already invested that. I'm not going to sell. Like I don't want to sell for something that feels like less to me. So if I'm contending the, I have to start by getting a player back that is going to fill in. I'm going to try and fill that role without having to get rid of Geis like I said, and go after a guy that's a much smaller valued running back that'll hopefully give me some production. And then I'll save that Geist bullet for when I, if I really need to make a push at the end, because late in the season, he's going to give you a lot, a lot of value. You can get a lot back from him because that's where people are really going to be looking at next year. They're really going to know if they're aging running backs, 
aren't going to be around next year, and they're going to sell them off plus give you picks on top of it where maybe you can find a replacement for Geis then. So just be – yeah, I like it. Just be trigger shy on, on what you're doing. Make sure, like, you're really – like, yeah. But I think that's a good – I think that's a good – motivation and tactic and i think it's great advice is yeah i'm trigger shy anytime anytime a guy gets hurt i don't <laughs> trade him i have a lot of hunter henry and as soon as he got hurt i got offers and i literally i told everybody look he's just on my ir for the year like i have no interest in actually trying to trade him he's not going anywhere like don't even don't even ask because all that does is shut out the crappy asks then you get the actual serious offers coming through yeah and I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation when we get those older teams is we're talking about those older wide receivers and then somebody who has Mark Ingram and they're, they're two in, they're two and two going into week five. And he's a, that's a great do. one to seek out to try and seek replacement value. Not, I mean, you wouldn't have to give up guys to get Ingram. You could probably get Ingram with something with some other set of assets and he'd be a great one to put because maybe you can get by early on. And then when he comes on, that's going to give you that boost that you need. Yeah, I'm thinking like, a, you know, somebody who last year was like, I'm just drafting for this year. And then Julio didn't perform the way they wanted to. And their, their, their team was, it's just changed up and somehow they acquired it. Yeah. And that, that Ingram thing too. Or like, what if you ended up like one and three, but your team is still stacked? You know, you, I mean, you know, AJ Green can, can, can underproduce for weeks or like they have an, another, like even, even if Fitz doesn't produce for like two weeks, you'd easily end up as one and three as a dynasty team. And be like, well, I have all these old dudes, and I have guys sitting there. And I think, if, you know, if, if this is, if you believe in your your late season schedule, because you have like a guy like Mark Ingram, you know, kind of decide those assets. It's just a another situation that it's it's definitely obscure and strange, but I do think it's one that's worth thinking about. And I, I love the the tips on that. Yeah, if I'm contending and I'm looking to replace the production, I almost always try to replace the production in a manner that does not. <laughs> get rid of the asset that got hurt. Like I, tr- I, I will seek other ways to replace that production and try to go out of my way to not have to get rid of that asset. Let me give just a quick kind of different. I mean, we, we talked about sending offers and maybe waiting a little bit. I, I do want to encourage people though, send the offers because two years ago was my first year in dynasty. And I really liked Keenan Allen and I liked him from the, the his rookie season and he got hurt. I was out for the year, and everyone was giving up on him. I got Keenan Allen in one league for uh, – I had a pretty poor team. I'd already lost a couple guys to injury. I got him for an early second in one league because the guy was like, he's trash, he's injury prone, and now the guy's a, a top seven – you know, for me, he's a top five wide receiver in Dynasty. So just know that there are going to be deals out there, and if you are not the one that's coming with an offer – Someone else, there, there are owners of Darius Geis that in the next five weeks in your leagues are going to sell Darius Geis for cheap. And you're going to be like, crap, I would have paid more than that for Darius Geis. So start the conversation, even if it's going to the owner now in GroupMe or Voxer or wherever it is and saying, hey, I know you may not be thinking about it right now, but if, as the season gets closer, if you decide you want to replace the production and you're going to sell Geis, will you give me a shot at, at you know, shooting you an offer? Um, and then he has a chance to look at your roster and at least open the conversation because if you don't, uh, if you don't at least send offers or have those conversations, you're not going to get that guys. And there are going to be deals to be had, not in every league, um, but in, in the, there are going to be leagues where uh, guys are going to sell them for cheap. Yeah. And that's definitely a, I mean, that is definitely an approach you should take if you don't know your, like you've got to know your owners though. Um, uh, you know, so when I say that I don't try and attack right away, it's because I know that most of the guys in the leagues I play in are, they don't respond well to it. I mean, I could, I could, send, Trey, I could send Trey an offer in a league where he just lost a guy, and I know Trey's not going to be like, yeah, okay, that sounds like a great deal. That's not going to be the reaction I'm going to get. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that's true. That's definitely true. Yeah, it's just one of those like you know fundamental things. Know your league, make develop a relationship with your owners. Mm-hmm. That's just so fundamental because yeah, because yeah, because some some owners that that you might have a shot, and then when they decide, okay, I'm ready to sell, you'll be the first person they go to. But you're right, John. In other leagues, that's that there's no way they're just gonna laugh at you and and just you know. Pull you off. Yeah, and I mean that's an approach I take. Like when a guy says that he wants to make a trade, 
I do like I I try that every time. If a guy says he's shopping a player, if he puts it in the chat, I mean, if it's an injured player, I still go right at it. But anytime a guy says anything about wanting to shop a player, I immediately send an offer if it's a guy I want because I want to be the first one in the door. I've said this a bunch. That guy, the, the, there will be loyalty to you then. They're not going to just move on and accept some other trade with it without at least talking to you. So always try to be the first person when a guy says he wants to get rid of somebody. Yeah, and, and you can't don't don't cry. Don't say to yourself like, "Oh man, he, I would have given that guy so much more for that that player." But if you didn't reach out to but him, you know, you know <laughs> keep your mouth shut. Let me check my offers. <laughs> or, that I or telling them that person and then sending them like a oh, yeah, yeah. Trade calculator yeah. image. Yeah, I have a league where I've gotten a few. <laughs> I see trade calculator images and I'm just like, I don't know, man, like, don't just, please don't send these to me. That just means, uh, it just means you're trying to take advantage of me. Just stop it. That's when you mark that person down and every trade that you send them, you make sure you add like three <laughs> crummy pieces um, <laughs> to make the trade calculator be perfectly balanced. Cause you know, when you send that person to trade the first place they're going to is dynastytradecalculator.com. Highly recommend it. It is fun to use. Uh, the first place they're going is right there, and they're going to put it in. They're going to see two even numbers. Yeah, yeah. So if it's not something they were going to – so mark that down. When somebody sends you those DPC screenshots, you should totally mark that on the owner and know, all right, that's how this person evaluates trades. I'm going to make sure I even them up from now on. A, a real Joe's tip is coming out here too because this is after some he heavy discussions back and forth with this guy and uh, – He's like, well, why don't you just don't, why don't you like even trades? You know, because it was even on the calculator. So I had had some cocktails last weekend. And uh, did you screenshot the disclaimer at the bottom of the trade calculator that they have up no, there? No, this was just, this is just me. <laughs> I thought you should have done No, because this, this was necessary to just be like, oh, hey, man, you don't like fair deals. And so I sent him, it was, it was basically like Mark Ingram and T.Y. Hilton for the, uh, there's like Dalvin Cook and somebody else is in like Tyreek. There's a mix of it in there. I said, well, here you go. Calculator evens out. And yeah. then at, like uh, right before I went to bed, I, I almost feel bad about this now, but I said, oh man, you just don't like fair deals. Not so bad that you won't tell the story. Though. No, because just because like that's the, your interactions in dynasty leagues. Like you have guys. No, and I, I think it's, I think it's uh, something that I want to bring up tonight. is just like, you do have uh, league guys who will, They'll, they'll try to bully you into a trade and you need to be ready to defend yourself. And at least to me, I guess my, my defense mechanism mostly comes from just like snarkiness and sarcastic uh, because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like a dude who's ever been overly aggressive in my life basically ever. So, and then unless it came to the dog park and a dog was attacking my dog, but another story, uh, but that's just a, uh, to me, it just comes from like being sarcastic and snarkiness. So if somebody's going to come after me with some, uh, you know, trade calculator stuff. I'm going to send it back to them from the opposite end. And these are leagues like I'm not in with with Trey or Ryan. Uh, I, John, I don't think we're in any leagues. So maybe someday. Uh, someday. You can send me a calculator image and then I can get have some cocktails and send one back to you. You know, who knows? But anyway, that's, that's the idea. Like when, somebody's, when somebody sends me that image, it just, to me, it makes me feel like, okay, this person is clearly trying to rip me off. Uh, and even though I already knew that, because I look at all these things anyway, just to make sure I'm not being ridiculous in my own opinions. No, I, I, so I, you know, I podcast on DTC's feed and I write for DTC. I've received those images and my immediate response is just to scroll down a little bit further. And it literally says like the dynasty trade calculator is a tool used for evaluating trades. It is, you know, something like it's not the end all be all. I screen that shot. I screenshot that back and I send that back to the person Usually the, the uh, discussion just goes quiet for a little while then, which is fine by me because I'm usually highly annoyed when I get that screenshot. <laughs> I love the screenshot. Hey, you, work, you, you do stuff for them. How can you not just say this is the right way to make? No, My favorite is when you, when you get a deal and the person doesn't know how to set the settings for the trade. So it's like a super flex deal and uh, they, they send you uh, or you send them a setting. Like I, I was trying to sell Pat Mahomes in a league and I made a deal and he replied with the dynasty trade calculator screenshot, but he didn't have it set to two QB or Superflex. <laughs> He's like, I don't think this is fair. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you got to flip over to two QB Superflex to make it fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's even better. Yeah, that's good. 
Got to click, got to click that tab. They added all those features. You got to use them now. Well, no, think- that's when, that's when you try to buy his quarterback. That's right. <laughs> You're like, well, in that case. You're right. That's totally wrong. Let me send you a counter. Yeah, how, about better response, this, Ray. Right. how about this for your quarterbacks? Uh, I'm in leagues with, I'm in leagues with Trey. That's the kind of, that's the kind of move he wants to make on people. Man, brutal. Let's get into auctions because yes, auctions. We wanted to have John on tonight, uh, really specifically. We we'll talk about some player values and, and and trade strategies, that type of thing. Which we've covered some of that, but we want to get into auction strategy because it's that time of year. A lot of startups going on right now, including auctions, and I think it's really starting to take off. More and more people are joining auction leagues, which is very very exciting. Hopefully, our listeners are among them. If they haven't done it in the past, they're they're doing it now because there's still some starting up. It's not too late. So. John, what, what, where to begin? Maybe the, the, uh, you know, the, the sales pitch for auction leagues. I, it, so let's say I'm on the fence. I'm like, oh, that, that's really intimidating. You know, I, I, don't, I just kind of like doing my snake draft, and I got my sheets, and I just follow my tiers, and I draft, and it just works for me. Like, uh, that's the, the auction thing. I'm just, I don't know. I'm scared. So for that person that just wants to follow their tiered sheet that somebody else came up with for them, tell them just to go join a Yahoo league. Like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not ripping a Yahoo league, Ouch. but like go, go join like a, I just mean that as like the basic yeah, yeah, redraft yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. public. That's, that's the site that I know that offers like for money public, you know what I'm saying? Like go join some league that you don't, you're not going to interact with the people at all. And you can just play your, play your little fantasy league. You know, that's fine. That's, that's talking down the draft pretty bad, right? That sounded pretty condescending. No, I. (laughs) (laughs) So my first first question, anytime somebody brings me a league and asks me if I want to join, my literally my first question is what's the startup auction or draft? And if they say draft, they don't have to go any further. I, I don't care who's in it. I don't, I don't care about how cool of a group it is anymore. I don't care about if the rules are awesome. Literally, I won't play in a draft one anymore. Um, so, and the reason is because auctions are fantastic. It's the, the simple, simple reason of, okay, so you want to get Odell Beckham Jr. Well, sorry, you were randomly given the 1.07 pick. So in order to get this other player that somebody can randomly get, uh, you know, or Gurley, whoever you want to call the 101, whatever, for this year, um, you're going to have to give up a lot of stuff from next year or something else from, you know, the startup that's going to be valuable to move up to get a player that somebody else got randomly. Like, to me, that's just a ridiculous way to start a league. It's so unfair. <laughs> like, you, you, nobody can tell me that, well, you're at the back end and so you have two picks that wrap around. Yes, but you didn't have a shot at so many players. Like you have no shot at them. If you're going to do a draft league, you better have a way to earn the draft order. Like just randomizing literally is to me, one of the worst things in the world. Cause you're, you're giving an advantage. There's a reason that people have to pay up then to move, to get to the one one you don't pay up to go from the one Oh one to the one Oh seven. Like that's not how it works. And, and to give that kind of an advantage based on something completely random, ugh, it's, I mean, like, to me, it's gross. Like, it's just, it's gross. It's unfair. It's, it's not something I want to start with in any kind of a league. Whereas in an auction, hey, if you want two guys that go, are going in the top five picks, guess what? You can have them both. You just better be ready to outspend everybody else for them. So, I mean, that's, that's the simplest argument I can make on why an auction is better than a draft, you have a chance at everybody. So 100% agree. And all my redraft leagues this year are are auction. And I wouldn't join one if it was ever a snake draft ever again. Dynasty has been a little bit different because I'm just newer. You know, I'm just a Joe. I'm just newer to it at this point. But I think we shouldn't be that far off from dynasty auctions at any point in time. And this is just what it should be. Like if you really have a dynasty auction and you give players a thousand dollar budget and you know, let's just, if you're pretending it's a 25 round draft, you should see how that free market works out because that's the way it works out anyway. 
basically. And then you have no complaints. I, I, the, my most recent, recent dynasty startup that I, I was involved in, there was a complaint about a trade that happened when somebody thought somebody else ripped, you know, somebody else off to move up or move back down. You don't have that in auction. And we, I don't know, you, you live, well, we're, we all live in the US and this is uh, capitalism at its finest. Well, Get what you want. I'm sure you have you listeners don't. outside of the US. Do not sell yourself short here. I mean, I mean, we kind of mentioned Peter Howard earlier. So well, he lives in one. Kentucky, but that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. I, mean, I, just, he lives in Kentucky. <laughs> I do. So, what is with, uh, sorry, Peter Howard, I, I really want to go Strangest, to Kentucky and hang out with Strangest Kentucky oh. accent I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Well, so my boss at the last at my company is is English, and we're really good friends. But I think there's maybe like people who are vacationing in England that listen to this <laughs> occasionally. I'm gonna make but, sure uh, Peter Gent listens to it in Germany. Like England's not like, oh hey, we go to the we go to our job market and get drafted. Yeah. You know, it's not it's it's all it's all free market. And what what kills me is when but I have a really hard time fighting against uh, the. Like, like, like promoting auction. Like my, my thing is always like, well, auction is just the fairest way. And somebody's like, well, you just like it because you know more. And I want to be like, well, then I don't want to be in this league with you. I think like, I just want to be out. So maybe, and maybe you so should John, work harder or just stick to playing in your little draft league. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. That came that's, wrong again. Well, even I just love the way it changes it because you should be able to do whatever sure. you want. You shouldn't be hamstring to any sort of like, even like trying to trade up. If that person's personality affects everything, if that person really wants to trade back, uh, but doesn't like, isn't a value person, you know, you that you you would just wait longer versus like a nice. If I could, like honestly, so I live in Minneapolis. If I get all those people, and we could do a dynasty league where who live in like this area to do a nice like fun auction draft. That would be like the epitome of the dynasty. Like if you did like. A super flex two tight end dynasty auction draft. That would be the most chaos and most fun I would ever be a part of. In like live, like with an auctioneer. You're describing what I just did on that's Sunday. What you want. I just had, we just had <laughs> yeah. our salary cap, uh, my salary cap auction at my house on Sunday, and it is. I mean, like it's. I look forward to that day. <laughs> every oh man! Year and salary cap. You're at salary cap in there too. It's time you like dynasty. It's this mix, yeah. you know, and like. So it, it's the, the passion of football or fantasy football should be in there. And you, I know it, it does, it does take away from some, some casual fans because like, uh, like my barber here in Minneapolis is, is quitting our league because he, he is, he likes the snake draft format and likes it. And I do, uh, I would still stay a part of it. Like if he had a different league and was in that, I would do that just because like, I like to interact mm-hmm. with those people, you know, like you, you have that community aspect of it. I don't think that should be disregarded. But when it becomes to your passion and your you're wanting to join more leagues, you should want to join more leagues you want to be a part of. Don't join another league uh, unless you want to be friends with those people and they're close to you. That would be my my honest advice. Unless it's a real like unless you believe in what they're doing and uh, uh, just auction. And I I'm still new. I'm still super new to uh, like salary cap and like 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 giving years. But I think auction is is the first step to, like, uh, the 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 blissness of fantasy football. It is salary cap is salary cap's my favorite type of league. Uh, Bankroll, which is you know Scott Fish created with pigs, that's my second favorite kind of league, and it's because they, I mean, they're more accurate reflection of the actual market rather than just draft picks. I mean, I, I just don't think picks really reflect the how you should be able to go about getting a player i mean it's just to me it's it's a lot more fun to do an auction because if you want to spend every single penny that you have on one guy go for it why why not i mean there were so many people probably in auction leagues this year that as soon as that bell opened saquon barkley went up on the board and they were like you know what all in going for it all they didn't care if they got one other player in the rookie draft and why should they i mean like if you had the chance in a draft pick league to say you'd give up the 102, the 202, the 302, the 402 to get the 101, you would immediately do it. Like that's a no brainer, but that's a really weird sound. It's, it's Trace, it's Trace <laughs> geese in the background or everybody's on vacation. But I think that's, the, I think that's the point too. And, I, and I'm not even just talking about 
rookie drafts or dynasties, just your generalities. Like one of my experiences last year, I was like, okay, so we started the Joes last year and even Scott Fish was on our first episode and uh, he, he had popped on. I was like, oh yeah. I was like, I just want Adam Thielen for a dollar at the end oh, of a draft because nobody that's had amazing. I mean, it's redraft. It's but redraft. Still, that's so, amazing. You're not getting you're super, not super, super value. 18th round of a redraft league. Yeah, it was a big lesson I learned about uh, my intelligence versus tilting. Uh, and the fan, like, if you're listening, you can't see my hands, but there's two things here. Like, I was like, okay, I am in these leagues, and I know so much about fantasy football. I've done so much research. I've done so much studying. I know all this stuff. And so I was like, I'm going, I'm going DJ, and I'm going Le'Veon Bell, and in every auction draft I am with friends. And uh, that. That ended. I mean, it ended up hurt. I didn't win any of those leagues because I I missed out on those those middle round running backs. You know, those Todd Curleys, those not middle round, but like you know, middle draft values. Uh, because I thought I was just such a genius that I could win all these other guys, and I ended up overpaying for tight ends like a Kyle Rudolph in a league and things like that. And so when it comes to auction, and kind of what we want to talk about a little bit tonight is, uh, I definitely tilted in one of those. If, if not two, because even like having like a Zach Ertz last year, you could have gotten him super cheap, but it's believing in your strategy and sticking to it and not, not tilting before the league starts and making trades beforehand. Because if I looked at my team and the way the year started, you know, having DJ and Bell was this, this heavy front ended strategy because I felt that I had done more research and had more intelligence about what I was doing with those drafts. And that, you know, that favored me, but then ended up hurting me later on with me trying to scramble for, for bit players, you know, you're, in the, you're not paying in a $200 auction. I ended up paying $7 for Kyle Rudolph where Stefan Diggs went for $7, you know, like later on, later on, because we do, you know, who he was, but I was trying to get my tight end. Uh, and I got, I got like Ertz real cheap and Gin real cheap. There's just some, you know, it's just kind of this mix. And that's, but at the end of the day, my, my point to make with that is I, I you, you're, you're going to make some mistakes in auction, but know how to, come back from that if you over let's say you overpaid in a 200 budget you paid 35 dollars for mccoy but then alex collins is going for 15 dollars. what do you do when you have let's you've already gotten four running backs do you still bid on that person you know how do you react to those kind of things you have to be very careful about tilting and and make sure that you're staying to your budget and your plan at least a little bit because the markets are so different they're different for every draft they're different because there's always uh, you know, nine to 12, nine to 11 to 13 other people in that, in that room uh, who are going to have different values. And so my lesson learned was that, uh, and Kyle Rudolph is the one that really taught me this lesson is you need to be ready to, to just, to just relax. You need to be ready to wait. Regardless of how much research you've done, the room will always be different than what you think. And just, just, just be ready to like, uh, you know, be, be comfortable with where you start that you're at and what you've done. Be comfortable with having those backup running backs or uh, wide receivers that you weren't expecting to have because you spent too much money. And uh, this is a, you know, a big digression, but uh, just don't, don't ever panic with something you've done a lot of research. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Trey, you've done several auctions at this point. Um, I'm assuming you're – and, Will, maybe you just haven't done as many because what, what really starts to happen is you stop tilting because you literally become numb. <laughs> like Trey, have you reached that point of numbness now where like, I mean, I don't, I don't realize even when I'm outbid anymore. I don't like, I don't care who does it to me. I don't care when it happened. Like, I don't, I don't feel that shock anymore. Do you still feel that shock at all, Trey? No, I don't. And, and, you know, oftentimes when I'm bidding, it's not specifically with the intention of winning that player. Um, especially, and, and, you know, proxy versus non-proxy is another conversation too, because uh, my bidding strategy is different in those. I, I'll tell you for me, when I first started doing auctions, uh, I didn't do it the first two auctions and I made a lot of mistakes. And then starting in the third auction I did, I put together a spreadsheet and I basically took, you know, let's say it's a, a 20, 25 man roster, 12 team league, right? That's 300, that's 300 um, players. I assume that basically a hundred of those 300 players are going to be $1 players. So I take the top 200 players and I'll basically rank them and effectively how I think that they're going to be valued top to bottom um, one through 200. And I assign them values and I account for 90, 100% of the dollars. And I essentially put from, you know, 
the 101, whoever in that format, you know, let's say Todd Gurley or OBJ or, or D-Hop, um, and, and I account for every dollar. And then those first few players, I'm just looking. And if I think that Todd Gurley should be going for $55 and he's going for 43, I'm bidding on Todd Gurley. If I think Todd Gurley should be going for 55 and he's going for 62, I'm thinking I'm not buying a player for a week. And I'm going to let these guys spend 120% of what they're going. And I'm going to watch. And when it gets down to where there's one elite running back left or two elite running backs left, I'm going to try and get them. And I, I will tell you the best teams that I have built in auction leagues are, the, are, are in leagues where that exact phenomenon ha- is happening. And every auction is completely different. Some auctions, the first five or six guys that go off the board are the best values for the first you know, two weeks of the, of the auction. But what I find in the majority of auctions I've done is that the bidding early is just heavy and expensive and it is all about patience. So for you must me, have, you must have somebody in your in those auction leagues that you've done Trey, that tries to really run those prices up out of the gate, and then and then tries to get other people <laughs> to buy them at the end. Yeah. I don't know why anybody would do that. It's yeah. really risky. I have no idea why someone would would do that. I mean, and and you know, it, it it also depends on who you're in the auction with. You know, if you're in a if you're in a league full of sharks, you're likely not going to be able to just hold your money and get a bunch of screaming deals. But the, at the same time, there is, some, there is something about, like when you're in a draft and you're on the clock, you can't blow your wad, right? I mean, you, I guess you could trade your like third, fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks for that second round or first round pick. But ultimately, you can just pick a player. In an auction, you can win three players and then have that like, oh, crap moment where you realize you've spent $158 out of 200 bucks and you've got three players, and it's a 14-team league, and every team's starting 10 guys. So there's 140 players being started every week of the season, and you've got three. And all of a sudden, you realize guys like Sammy Watkins are going for like 20% of what you paid Brandon Cooks. And so, you, you know, you're just like regretting spinning up on those studs. And, and so you have to take into consideration how many teams, what's the, how, how deep, uh, are the starting rosters and, and all of that kind of plays into it. I'm one, I, I never take the studs and duds approach. I typically am going to try and grab, you know, one, two or three players that I feel like are marquee. You know, I, I feel like I want my three best players to be right up there with the three best players of anyone else in the league. But then I want to have a lot of depth. I want to have, you know, my next 12 or 15, <laughs> these frogs, uh, honestly, I think they're just disagreeing with you. They're like, get your studs. Uh, but but I think the most important thing in an auction ultimately is to be water. And and you know you've got to allow the auction to come to you. Don't you know you cannot go into any auction with a preconceived plan and expect that it's going to go just how you want it to. You've got to be flexible and adjust. Be willing to spend up if you have to to grab that last elite running back before, you know, before you're, you know, staring down Alex Collins as your RB1 in a point per carry league. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't be afraid to spend up on a stud. If it's a super flex league and a six point per passing touchdown, like I don't want Joe Flacco and Eli Manning to be my starting quarterbacks, right? Like, hey, I mean, even my, if they're – Those are my pig's three quarterbacks. That feels like a shot. <laughs> even if they're screaming values, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is going to outscore those guys by yeah. 180 points. So yeah. – you know, I'm not saying spend, you know, 60 bucks on Aaron Rodgers instead of spending five on Eli Manning, but, but, you know, maybe get one of each. Yeah. Um, you, you just have to know, know the scoring. I mean, if there's not that big of a discrepancy between quarterback one and quarterback 18, then I'm going to take quarterback 18 for pennies on the dollar every time. But there are those leagues where the scoring is really, really different between those. T- so, you know, it may behoove you to guarantee yourself that safe floor of, of points weekly. Um, so you, you just have to know the league and, and adjust accordingly kind of on the fly. Yeah. If you can't be flexible, you can't play in an auction. Like you, you, you I mean, you have to, you will shift your plan over and over and over. Uh, and what you mentioned about drafts, like it's harder to screw up with a draft. If you time out, most of the time, the setting is to give you the next player on average draft. Uh, just based on ADP, 
So you can literally go through a draft, and if you don't do anything, you're going to come out with a team that's average. Like, that's how it's going to – you're going to end. If you're doing nothing, you're going to get an average team. Uh, if you do nothing in an auction, you're going to have no players. So, like, you can't get away with that. You can't, you can't hide in an auction. Like, if yeah. you're not comfortable with what you want to do, it's going to show in an auction. I mean, there's, that's going to happen. You're going you're gonna to be exposed that you don't know exactly which direction you're going or that you're not comfortable shifting one direction to the other. Um, and that's kind of what I like about it because it just feels like it's, it's a little bit more high risk. I mean, so to me, then the thrill is obviously more fun. You know? <laughs> so the I, I'm okay. I'm okay trying to push so a guy. I'll, I'll, I, I often come out swinging in an auction now to try and make that market look exceptionally high. There's yeah. a couple of guys that I'll pay up for, and I'm okay overpaying for them because I do know that it's going to set that market super high then, which benefits Trey, uh, who's super patient, <laughs> and he eventually gets a lot of stuff at the end. But I'm okay with going studs and duds too, so I don't mind doing I, that. But I like to force that action at the end. And I'm a big studs and duds fan. And I, so to, to to relate this back to the to maybe like a Joe, a Joe standpoint, my first ever auction, I ended up with a two hundred dollar auction. My first ever one, I had no idea what I was doing. It was in a, like 2007. I ended up with 40 bucks left. And my best draft back in that entire draft was Brett Favre. Whatever he played for the Vikings, that was it. I went one and 11 and it was horrible. But I learned a lot about auctions that year. And you, the, the studs and duds approach, I think, is, is super, super common. So you're going to see, based on your scoring format, you're going to see these people blow up. And you either have to be comfortable with what you know about people that you can get with lesser dollars. Or let's just say you went out the night before and you got super hammed and you're hungover for this draft for some reason because you it, like improperly prepared uh, – you can go after those guys and then just deal with it later. You kind of need to know with where you sit. Is is in a two hundred dollar budget? Is you know seventy four bucks for Antonio Brown in a full PPR? Is that too much for you? Is that where you're comfortable with? Do you think you can get the rest of the value later? And I'm not comfortable with that. You know, and <laughs> but but it, it okay. So I mean, the running back. Let's say Todd Gurley, and it, let's go dynasty here. Two hundred dollar. Just dynasty startup draft, no contracts. Todd Gurley's sitting there at like $65. What are you doing? And Oh, this, I'm letting him go to someone yeah, else. Is this super flex? No. Because then, we'll, then I'm thanking God somebody spent $65. So on we'll go standard game. standard startup and this okay. just like with, with quarterbacks because it would it wouldn't be that way. Because when you go super flex, super sorry, super flex, not super flex, not the wrestling move, uh super flex you're getting people who are more involved in the, like with what we're doing because Superflex yeah, is the evolution you. of the game. I do, I, like, I do feel like, but, uh, it, but it, in all generalities and what you're like, you need to be ready to know what you're ready to spend on somebody. So non Superflex, Okay. Todd Gurley, I'm willing to go at, uh, up to here because I think he's going to be this X amount of advantage over the other people like Le'Veon Bell or this in dynasty. And then, when it, then you boil that back to redraft. Okay. Well now the older players are going to get bumped up. He has to be ready for all that. And that's what I mean. Like you're in general, I feel like in most uh, auction drafts, you're going to overpay for somebody. You need to choose, choose who that is. Because if you end up with a bunch of $20 players, typically you're never going to be happy with your team. See, here's now, here's what I try to do to combat that. If I can, um, at least in the ones that I do most of the time, there's multiple players put on the board at once, I guess in a redraft league, it's just one player coming up at a time. So then you kind of have to determine early on if you want to go that route. But what you can do if you see – if it is like a dynasty startup where there's 12 guys on the board, if you see Gurley up that high, typically what I try and do is I'll try to get a couple of steals lower. Um, I'll go a couple of ways. I'll nominate a guy that's going to be expensive to get money out, or I'll nominate a guy that's going to be like, hey, if I can get him really cheap early on, like, because nobody wants to bid on that guy this early in the auction. Any money that I can save getting that guy who might fill a, a lineup spot for me, that's money that I will spend up to get a guy like Gurley. I'm not going to come out of the gate swinging at $65. That's crazy. Um, 
that that would be that would be too much for me. I'd be uncomfortable with that out of a two hundred million dollar budget. But if I've already gotten Sammy Watkins, like Trey said, if I've gotten Sammy Watkins and like Chris Hogan, uh, and I've gotten them for way less than I thought, eh, if I if I felt okay paying fifty five for Gurley, and I already have some locked in values on my roster, then I'll push that price up a little bit higher without being too terrified of winning the guy. So I, I do try and do that if I can get some. If I can lock up some guys early on to allow myself to overspend later, I will. I don't do that, though, until I have those other values because you're not guaranteed to get them. And if you spend $65 on one guy and you're starting 9 or 10, that's going to look real ugly, like Trey said, later on. When, when you've spent on three guys and all of a sudden you're looking at, how am I going to fill the rest of – not even just my roster, how am I going to fill the rest of my starting lineup out? That's going to get ugly. Yeah, and the thing that I've learned too with with auctions is, you know, I, I always, I'm always trying to manipulate the room on the group chat. I'm always trying to manipulate. I mean, if I, like, I'll see Todd Gurley at $54, and I'll, man, these frogs. Ryan, you're going to have a lot of work to do, man. <laughs> No, they're just staying in. That's actually just being in the see, background. I'll see Gurley at $54, and on my sheet, he's 56 right? And I'll say, man, Gurley is a ridiculous deal right now, knowing full well that there's other guys out there that think he should be going for 60 And people will bid him up, even though I think truly he's where he is, right where he should be, and I wouldn't pay that for him. But I will try to set the market high on running back so that I can just start, you know, sneaking wide receiver like Chris Hogan or Sammy Watkins or, you know, slide these guys through. Um, and then the other thing about being patient is you get guys that, you know, people that have just kind of been written off, you know, the Larry Fitzgeralds of the world, the Demarius Thomas, you get a lot of guys for just ridiculous deals. And then you can make trades during the auction. You go seek out those guys who have three players on their team and they've spent 150 bucks. And they're seeing Alshon Jeffrey go for $12 when they gave, you know, Antonio Brown 70 or 65. And, you know, you're like, you know, uh, Antonio Brown's not going to outproduce Alshon by that much. You know, and, and, or maybe you can win Alshon and then you can win a Brandon Cooks and you go to them and you're like, hey, I know that you only got three starters right now. I'll give you, you know, there's a couple other players on the board. Do you want me to win? I'll win you carry on Johnson. And I'll send you carry on Alshon and Brandon Cooks for Antonio Brown. They're like, heck yeah, man, I need these starters. I can't afford any of these guys. And now you've got Antonio Brown for maybe a total of $40 you spent on the other guys. And, and, and I find sometimes it doesn't work, but you know, there's instances where trades during the auction while the auction's still going on, if your league allows, can, can provide some incredible opportunities for you to just further manipulate even when, even when people will openly say in the chat, hey, guys, quit accepting trades from Trey. Quit <laughs> accepting trades from Trey. And people continue to accept trades from Trey. I mean, Trey. I think a general fantasy it's rule really a general fantasy rule should be never accept a trade from Trey. It's just a bad, <laughs> bad practice. It doesn't matter if it's snake or auction. Basically. So Trey and I are in a, in a startup right now where Trey has done a, a magnificent job at manipulating. Uh, I don't think he's manipulating the people, but he's manipulating the auction in a fantastic manner. And <laughs> people make up an auction. Like people have been, it has been openly discussed in the chat because my leagues are do whatever you want. Talk however you want. I don't care. You can literally line up somebody's strategy in front of every other owner one people don't have to listen to it two the other owner just has to adjust yeah literally said stop taking trades from trey we need to fill his roster and make it so he <laughs> and he just keeps doing it and i mean i i love it because it, it what he's doing it benefits <laughs> it benefits me too so <laughs> because i'm i'm happy with where i'm at so i want other people to get stack stockpiled contracts on them but it's 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 frustrating also that people just continue to play into him and allow him to get away with it but that's all right he's going to end up with a bunch of guys that are he's going to have good contracts 
but he's not going to have those studs on his team, I don't think. No, I'm not going to have – I'm definitely uh, early on. And, and that's where – I mean, you know, in that particular auction, you know, early on, I realized that people were giving out four-year deals, and I realized I'm not going to be able to build a competitive team this year and for the future. So I kind of had to choose, like, do I really want to pay up and compete this year but potentially cripple myself for several years um, with, with long-term deals? Because every player that was being won, even at market value or, for me, above market value prices, were being given four-year deals. And there's pretty stiff penalties for cutting players. And so, you know, this is kind of delving a little into the salary cap aspect of auctions. But for me, I literally had already won a couple guys and given them one-year deals. And so I immediately, knowing that I'm going to control the auction next offseason because so many guys have given out long-term deals, I'm like, well, I'll trade away Winston or uh, Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and Keenan Allen for pennies on the dollar because I know next year they're mine. Like nobody's going to be able to outbid. So I, and, and I also know be because surprised, of, there will be people that find ways to clear spaces. Well, Not next year, next year, you should be in good shape. Yeah. And, and so, you know, ultimately for me, it was just seeing how things were going and I didn't expect it. I didn't expect every, I mean, literally the first 20 players went off the board, every stud got four years and they were at, you know, pretty high dollar um, deals. And so anyway, I, 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 that no, just, I agree with you on that because you, I yeah. we talked about it. I didn't, I didn't get yeah, out. Sh- the only yeah, no, it kind of shocked was, me. Was uh, was, was Brady and I can yeah. him when he retires and get everything. Yeah, and that's not a real four year deal. That's likely no. a two two year deal. Or yeah, so I, I don't mind. Just like I gave Fitz four years. Like he's retiring next off season. I just yep. I just gave him four. So someone because someone else was gonna. I'm like I, I just finally was like I got to give out a couple longer deals. But uh, that just speaks to being willing to adjust. And, and, you know, if, if you get in, I had a plan going into this auction and, and there's a lot of guys that I think had really good strategies coming into this auction. And um, so um, immediately within 24 to 48 hours of the auction starting, I basically was like, the plan I'm using right now is not going to work. And so I had to completely tear down what I was doing, ship off some of these guys, you know, pay a few dollars of their salary to get other people to take them. And, and then start grabbing some cheaper guys and, and, you know, doing a little bit of price enforcing. And I mean, I've literally won like 30 players in this auction. And I think I have 14 of them on my roster because I'm giving them all one year and people are coming along. So I just keep pushing prices up and people keep giving longer, you know, yeah. so you got to just adjust. We have to thank you, John, for joining the fantasy Joes. And I think there's no other better way to thank you than what, Will has prepared right now. I don't know. I think they're uh, somebody used to like make a beat or something in the background. Oh, make a beat? I thought it was going to be Trey. We, 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 where are the frogs when we need them to make the beat? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm making the beat, I guess. Okay. going to be bad. Oh, it's going to be so good. All right. All right. Here we go. We welcome a temporary Joe. His name, you may already know. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm John Bosch, and I know advanced organic chemistry. That's right, John Bosch is here, and you know he's all brain of a brawn. He recommends drafting all four strong, first all four first round QBs in a rookie draft right after Saquon. It is super flex. We are stoked, so, so stoked, Kim. His sultry, steamy. Voice makes me well with the Joes on your commute. If you get sick of him at any time, just hit mute. Just kidding. That'd be a shame. We better see Mr. Bosch is what should draw all stay or draw all your stairs. He supports all our amateur pods and far more importantly, fantasy cares. He's on the game night. The top dogs at DLF. Back up that with DTC Wall Street. He doesn't miss a beat by guessing uh, by guessing on all of the mean streets. Thank you for joining the Joes, your bros, for shows. I wish I had better rhyming skill to let you know what it means to join our team. Thanks again. Cheers, bro. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's what you get for 15 minutes of, uh, let's give like 10 minutes <laughs> we're gonna, of, we're gonna, of effort. We're going to go with that was unique. 
unique. That's, oh, man. That right? That's a good adjective. <laughs> at least I've, I've filtered in your uh, career life at the, at the top, you know? Yeah, that was that was impressive. I, I did take organic chemistry, actually. So. <laughs> That's basically pharmacy, right? Yeah. It's like organic chemistry, like yeah. one million, like <laughs> whatever the top level you can do. Definitely had to do that uh, class. It was not fun, but basically just had to pass it. <laughs> Yeah, it's horrible. Every pharmacist I've ever known is like, I fucking hate that. Yep, it was unpleasant. I noticed the the beat cut out really threw me oh, for a loop. Yeah, it really, really went away pretty quickly. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't help it. The beat was me laughing. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible. Uh, well, John, I just want you know that we appreciate you coming on, and that you know, at least you got that coming from it. Yeah, anytime. Hey, I, it's fun. I, I enjoy listening to your guys' pod, so I'm I'm happy to get to join it. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. You can contact us directly at thefantasyjoes at gmail or at fjoes on Twitter. Your feedback is welcome. Let us know how we're doing, what you want from us. We come at you weekly, very early Mondays, at least for a few more weeks. We're moving to Thursdays, guys. Thursdays during the season. It's coming soon. But be sure to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review, as always, but only if it's a positive one. You want access to our uncut, uncensored show? Go to patreon.com slash fantasyjoes and check it out. You can find us on Twitter. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at fantasyjoe underscore Will. And I'm at Roto Librarian. On behalf of Trey Barrett and the Frogs and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood, and we are the Fantasy Joes. Hey, 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 hey. We got my main man, Trey, here with the Fantasy Joes. And you know we ain't lying because we got the app Grota Librarian Ryan. <laughs> if you're just looking for for that main thrill, just go ahead and DM Fantasy Joe underscore Will. <laughs> he may not respond. It's gonna take a while. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Nailed it. Boom. That's that. That's that grand slam in the bottom of the ninth with two with two outs and two strikes. You know what I'm saying?